the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And then the scriptures tell us, in response to that, Peter just began to curse. It's a natural self. It's coming from hell. It's the inspiration of Satan. And so what James is saying, you and I, we have to decide who's controlling the tongue. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Do me a favor, take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of James. It's near the end of the Bible, James chapter 3. That's where we're going to hang out for these next few minutes together. When Kimberly and I were young parents, we found ourselves in a frightening and frankly embarrassing situation. One of our children had been sick, and so we did what every parent does. We medicated them, but it didn't take long to recognize we had over-medicated them. We had given them too much Medicine, And so we panicked. We didn't know what to do. So we got on the phone and called poison control because poison control exists to help you know what to do if you have taken something into your system, into your body that is potentially harmful to your body. Poison control can tell you how to handle the situation you may have gotten yourself into. Thankfully, our son was okay and nothing needed to be done. But that can't be said of our society today. In fact, it doesn't take much looking around to recognize that there is a poisoning that is taking place. There's contamination that is harming our culture. The Bible says that the tongue, the human tongue, is laced with poison. It's not poison like you'll find in a venomous snake, like the water moccasins I grew up around in South Carolina. But it is a poison that can destroy It's a poison that can distract. It's a poison that can divert you from that which God had planned for you. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's time for us to call poison control. Because some of what we're saying, some of what we're sending, some of what we're sharing is harmful. We're going to get real and talk about that in a moment, but first, let's review. Let's recap. We're in the book of James. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is now serving as the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. The church has been scattered, not unlike the church today. It's not meeting together, so James corresponding with them through letter, and he's talking about them to them about how their faith should really look. Chapter 1 kind of outlines the whole book, and he deals with some of the basics of faith. And then in chapter 2, he begins to get real. So as we looked at chapter 2, we saw him get real about prejudice. 
and the way that you look at other people. In fact, the first verse in chapter two says, my brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. What was he saying? If you love as God wants you to love, you're going to see people as God wants you to see people. He's setting up this distinction. You're either on God's side or you're not. And if you're on God's side, it doesn't matter who else you're looking at. You need to see them through the lens of love. The fact is everybody you know is created in the image of God. That means you don't have a right to be unkind to them based on their politics, based on their race, based on their economic status, based on any of those things that we look at that often divide us. He's saying you don't have a right to be partial toward other people. He was getting real in the face of Christ's followers. And then he said, let's get real and talk about how our faith should look. In verse 26 of the same chapter, chapter two, he says, for the body apart from the spirit is dead. Everybody knows that. So also is faith apart from works dead. He's saying, it's easy to profess that you've got a relationship with God. It's easy to say that you have faith, but if you have real and living faith, it is going to be powerful. It's going to be dynamic. What does that mean? Dynamic faith changes you, and that change in you results in a change that then changes everything around you. Dynamic faith is evident to those who are watching. And so what we're seeing is that as you open the book of James, you had better, you had better look into the mirror of God's word and let it tell you what you need to adjust. And today in James chapter 3, He's going to say, let's get real and and talk about the human tongue. The tongue can cause all kinds of problems. In verse 2, he says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, the tongue, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. It's not the first time James has talked about the tongue. In fact, in the first chapter, in verse 19, he said, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be what? Slow to speak. And then in verse 26 of that same chapter, he says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. His religion is worthless. What about you? Do you recognize the power of your words? Have you understood that reality that your history, your destiny, all of your life is impacted by what you say? Hey, do this. Wave your hand at me if you have ever said something that you regretted. Let me see those hands. Okay. Yeah. You wish you could take it back, right? You opened your mouth. You inserted your foot. Like the guy I heard about, he was a grocery store clerk. He was working in the produce section and a sweet little lady came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, young man, I need a half a head of lettuce. And he just stared at her. He thought, well, that's ridiculous. We don't sell halves of head of lettuce. We sell a whole head of lettuce. But she was just staring at him. So he said, hey, excuse me, let me go talk to my manager. So he walks over to customer service and he looks at his manager. And he says, you're not going to believe this. This crazy dingbat of an old lady over here has asked for a head, half a head of lettuce. And then he felt it, her presence. So he turned around and there she was. But instantly he caught it. 
And he said, and this dear precious woman right here has agreed to buy the other half. Some people are quick on their feet. So the manager recognized that, man, this guy had done good. And he said, after the lady left, he said, young, young man, you've got a bright future. Let me know a little more about yourself. Where are you from? He said, well, I was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And the manager said, really? He said, yeah. He didn't give the manager a chance to respond. He said, yeah. He said, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we're known for two things. We love hockey. Man, everybody there has a hockey team. They love that sport of hockey. We are on fire about hockey. And the manager said, really? What's the second thing? He said, well, it's kind of embarrassing to say, but we're known for having ugly women. So I don't know what it is, if it's the cold, if it's they all play hockey. I don't know what's going on, but we're just known for ugly women. And the manager, without missing a beat, says, well... My wife is from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And the young boy immediately responds, which team does she play for? It helps to be quick on your feet because our tongue can get us into trouble. That's what we're going to deal with today. The problem of an untamed tongue. So I'm going to pray with us. But as we pray today, I would just tell you, this passage of scripture is going to touch all of us because we all deal with this struggle. What we want is what the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalms 34, 28, then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all day long. We want his praise as we sing to ever be on our lips. As the old hymn says, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my Redeemer's praise. That's what we want, particularly those of us who would take the time to listen to a message like this. But the reality is, our tongue gets us in trouble. Before we dive into James, I I want you to think about why he must have felt so confident about this topic. Remember who he was. He grew up with Jesus. He had watched Jesus in the midst of controversy, even in the midst of his crucifixion. And he saw that the Jesus way was different. That's kind of what we should do every time we gather together, is recognize that the Jesus way is different. If our way is no different than what is in the world, then we're not typically walking in the Jesus way. And again, that's so significant because this is a problem that everybody but Jesus has had. Moses, it was his words that kept him from going to the promised land. Do you remember that? He got angry and spoke angrily. And it kept him from God's best. Job, with all that he went through, he came to a point where he says, I've got to put my hand over my lips Because what I'm saying is causing me to sin. Isaiah, when he encountered the Lord, says, woe is me. I am undone and I am a person of unclean lips. We all struggle with this. So James says in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, 
Not perfect in the sense of sinless, but perfect in the biblical sense of mature. He's a spiritually mature man, able to also bridle his whole body. And then he begins to illustrate it. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And it's set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast And bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Did you hear that? I, I need to say that again. No human being can tame the tongue. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. That's going to be essential as you try to, try to listen to God's word to say, how can I walk away different? Because God's word says, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. And with it, we bless our Lord and our Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James, the master illustrator, gives us six different ways to think about the impact of the tongue But I just want to give you one main thing that I want you to walk away with today. This is the truth. This is what you need to grasp. Here it is. The greatest evidence of a spiritually mature person is a tamed tongue. And for some of us, that's going to be a surprise because we would have said the greatest evidence of spiritual maturity is that person that's able to quote scripture. No. Some of us might have thought the greatest evidence of spiritual maturity is that person with great stewardship and they're very generous. No. Others would say, I'll tell you the greatest evidence of spiritual maturity is that person that prays all the time. I mean, they're up at three in the morning having their quiet time. They fast. No, 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 no. According to James, who grew up with Jesus, the way a person looks most like Jesus. The way an individual is demonstrating spiritual maturity is when they have a tame tongue. But he's going to go on to tell us, but there's a problem because no human being 
can tame the tongue. So he walks us through this little lesson of life. He first lets us know we need to have concern about what we say. And he begins with one of the scariest verses in scripture for me. Because he says, be careful those of you who teach. When I read that, I think about how I feel every time I stand up to preach. It's why I pray every time I preach, whether publicly or privately, Lord, let the meditation of my heart, let the words I say please you. Oh God, I can't do this on my own. There are times I've walked off the platform after preaching and think, God, did I get that right? Did I say what you want me to say? He was expressing this because of a principle. The principle is that all of us will one day account for those things we say that are not of God. It's the words of Jesus, Matthew 12, 36. I tell you on that day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. So James warns teachers, but then he reminds us, we're all in this same boat. Did you catch that? He said, it's true of every person. We all sin and we all sin with our tongue. And so we all should be concerned because 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 and verse 10 rather says that all of us will one day stand before this judgment seat of Christ. It's called the Bema seat where our salvation is not in question, but God will look at us and deal with that unconfessed sin in our life. And even words that were wasted, that were careless, that were not of him will be held into account. There should be concern about what we say. And the reason is, James says, because there's serious consequences with what we say. And he begins to illustrate that in three different ways. He says, do you know that even a small child can get on a large horse and just because of a small metal bit in that horse's mouth, that small child can control where that large animal goes. And then he says, do you know that that same small child could get onto a large ship and stand behind the captain's wheel and because of a tiny rudder that's in the water on that ship, that small child can control where that large ship goes. And then he says, do you know that as you look around the forest, a great forest fire could be caused just because of a tiny spark That begins the flame. And then he says. All of you. You've got this two ounce. Piece of mucus membrane in your mouth. And that tiny little tongue. It can direct. Or it can destroy. That shouldn't surprise anyone. Most of us can remember going to the doctor. And they tell us to stick out our tongue. Because really you can tell a lot just from the tongue. I I was watching something this week and apparently now there's a tool you can buy to scrape your tongue off. As we're all conscious about all all the viruses and all the germs. People are saying make sure you get all those germs off of your tongue. I don't have that tool by the way. But our tongue speaks to our health. It speaks to what's going on in our life. It's positive and it's negative. 
Our tongue can cause us to praise God and give thanksgiving and congratulate others and compliment others. Our our tongue can even be that which leads us to pray for salvation. But our tongue can be used for innuendo or criticism or flattery or cursing or vulgarity or boasting or even blasphemy. James would say our tongue has the power of hell. Listen to what it says in verse 6. The tongue is a fire. It's a fire. So earlier he said the tongue is small. It's like a, a spark that gets a fire going. But now he says it's a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Setting on fire the entire course of life. And is set... On fire by hell. What is he saying? Well, he's speaking of natural man, natural woman. You got to remember, James is talking to the church. That's why he says brothers and sisters. But now he's reminding us that all of us, even Christ's followers, we are born as sinners. When we step across that faith line, the grace of God saves us. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We are being saved as we're being made more and more like Christ. But we still have the natural self. What's your natural self? Don't tell me. You know, my natural self, my natural self is a horn-blowing, hell-raising hollerer. I mean, I, my natural self is sinful. My natural self is a person that when I drive around Tampa, I didn't want to lay on my horn and get angry. And, but I've been redeemed. And so I, I don't deal as my natural self. So James is saying, all of us have in us this poison, this cancer, that is either going to be controlled by hell Or you can choose to let it be controlled by heaven. But but you get to choose. It can't be both. I was thinking about that this week and I thought about the best illustration of this in scripture. Peter was mightily used by God. Both as a disciple, but then even more importantly as a preacher and an apostle after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. But Peter, like David, is not remembered for his best moments. He's most remembered for his worst moments. What was his worst moments? His worst moment was when he denied Christ. Just before the denial of Christ, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was telling them about what was going to happen. And you remember what Peter did? Peter said, that's not going to happen. No chance, God. We're going to stand in the way. We're going to be victorious. And do you remember what Jesus said? Get the behind me, Satan. Now, why would Jesus say that to Peter? What did Peter do? Peter was just doing something you and I do every day. Peter was just telling Jesus what he thought, his opinion, how he felt about things. But Jesus called him Satan. Why? Jesus was saying, Peter, your words are not my words. Those things you're saying, they're not of me. And he was making the point that if you're saying things that are not of me, that can only mean you're saying things that are of Satan. Because there's only two sources. Heaven or hell. Hell. 
Peter would go on to deny Christ. And it's interesting what his accusers said after he denied Christ. Do you remember this? They said, your words betray you. And then the scriptures tell us in response to that, Peter just began to curse. It's a natural self. It's coming from hell. It's the inspiration of Satan. And so what James is saying, you and I, we have to decide who's controlling the tongue. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.